from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. It's Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. We've got a packed show this morning, including news from Coinbase, Twitter, and Outlook spam party yesterday uh, that drove people absolutely crazy. Some personal remarks there as well. Heartbeat ransomware, the DOJ and the Department of Commerce launch a strike force. That's right. And some worrying news around CISA or CISA, depending on how you like to call it. Uh, all that on our show this morning. So we're about to sh- get the show going here in just a minute. Go to cyberhubpodcast.com where you can find all the latest content go to our YouTube channel or on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can catch all the latest Um, later today. I've got an awesome CISO talk episode coming with Danny Wolf on Friday. I had my good buddy, Amit Shaket on the CEO over at Laminar. We're talking about data democratization, democratization, sorry, cloud transformation, a fascinating 35 minute conversation. I urge you if you're, you're in that process of look, you know, working with data scientists, you're trying to secure that world. You're trying to kind of get a, a good, good grasp around that thought process, Amit shared some some valuable insights on that episode. You can go back and, and check it out. That episode aired on Friday, and it's on your favorite podcast listening platform. CISO Talk later today with the awesome, magnificent Danny Wolf. It's a backwards episode because Danny's not a CISO. She's a marketer, but nonetheless, it's a great conversation. Danny's brilliant. So with that being said, let me go ahead and grab my double espresso this morning. Coffee cup. Cheers, y'all. Good morning, everyone tuning in on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. Thank you all for being here this morning. Let's go ahead and kick off with a Coinbase employee falling for an SMS scam in a cyber attack. The company said that their cyber controls prevented the attacker from gaining direct system access and prevented any loss of funds or compromise of customer information. The incident, which took place on the 5th of February, resulted in the exposure of a limited amount of data from its directory, including employee name, email addresses and some phone numbers, meaning specifically that there is a potential to retarget those employees and now training awareness. Um, and mind you, attackers are going to sit on this data. They're going to sit on it for a little bit, hopefully have the, you know, have everything kind of quiet down, things go back to normal, then they'll relaunch it. So the security team at Coinbase now has to be a front and center at this. Don't let this story get old. As part of the attack, several employees were targeted in an SMS phishing campaign, urging them to sign into their company account to read an important message, one employee is said to have fallen for the scam and their username and password and a fake login page set up by the threat actors to harvest their credentials. After logging in, the employee is prompted to disregard the message and thanked for complying. What happened next was the attacker made repeated attempts to gain remote, remote access to Coinbase. These attempts to log in were captured using, uh, using uh, captured credentials, proved to be unsuccessful because of MFA. So... MFA was was there. Then the actor claimed to be the employee called Corporate IT uh, and wanted help logging in. Obviously, Coinbase didn't elaborate on the threat actor uh, information that it gave to the employees there, but nonetheless, it, it's definitely something to keep in mind. SMS phishing is is kind of a really new way. Twilio, the the attack on Twilio last year was was really kind of spearheading this movement by attackers to go after uh, employees through SMS. It's easier. Um, so, so you got, you ought to have an SMS communication policy go out from HR. That's, that would be my first recommendation. Have an SMS policy going out through HR, have that policy really 
kind of dictate how you communicate, uh, what numbers uh, or what number an SMS would come through, whether you use WhatsApp or, or, or something of that nature, maybe potentially rather than just a standard SMS is also a possibility. Twitter is causing a whole slew of, of controversy and, and, and not because of anything outside of the fact that over the weekend, they've decided to turn off SMS two-factor authentication for anyone who's not subscribed to its Twitter blue service. It's kind of comes through as like an SSO tax almost. As of the 20th of March, uh, non-Twitter blue subscribers won't be able to use MFA, which kind of leads to believe, does Twitter even care about security? Is this even right? I mean, with all the, you know, kind of turnover at Twitter, um, I haven't seen them announce a new CISO. And I'm wondering if this decision was kind of a business decision without security people kind of looking at it, potentially saying the engineering team saying we've got compensating controls around MFA or only a small percentage of people at Twitter enrolled in MFA to begin with. And so there wasn't a lot of adoption to it or the cost of it just wasn't making sense. And they're trying to turn the ship around. Either way, a very questionable decision to be made. And you wonder where the grownups in the room there uh, when these decisions were being made. So, I mean, why not just do a, a, a Twitter alert? I mean, there's just so many ways to do this and do this the right way. Um, how disappointing is this? Extremely. Microsoft Outlook was flooded with spam due to broken email filters. According to various reports, including yours truly, some Outlook inboxes yesterday were flooded with spam emails over a period of nine hours because the spam email filters were broken. The ongoing issue was confirmed by countless Outlook users who have reported uh, through multiple platforms, including the Microsoft community and social media, that all messages were landing in their inboxes, even those that have been previously tagged as spam and sent to the junk folder. Um, one user said they received 36 spam emails over the past two hours. It's happening for way too long and it just continues to get worse. It seems to have begun between 10 p.m. and midnight Eastern, I believe Sunday, uh, Monday night, I'm sorry. Uh, some say that even checking the only trust email from addresses and safe senders and domains list from and safe mailing list and junk doesn't fix the issue. Uh, seems to be a web mail issue. Microsoft has yet to give a public statement across what is going on there, but that just lets you know you need to have redundancy, especially in areas where they're the most common attack vectors. Meaning it's great to have if you've got a great Microsoft license, like an E3, E5, that comes built into it, but you should have a backup. You should have a backup because of cases like this. Well, this outage only happens one in, but when it does happen, the risk portfolio for your organization increases X-fold. And that risk itself uh, presents a whole slew of challenges and, and could put you in a really bad position, meaning, you know, uh, email spam email solutions aren't very expensive. So could you solve a multi-million dollar problem with uh, tens of thousands? The answer is yes. It's almost a non-brainer if you've got that in your bag. Hardbit 2.0 is back and they're saying, here's the thing we're going to do. We're a ransomware cybercrime gang. And what we want to do is we're going to drop you a note and says, we've got your system uh, locked down with ransomware. We're not going to ask you for a random amount of money. Just let us know how much your ransomware insurance is. That's what we'll ask for. Pay us and go about your merry way. Apparently, that's a customer service approach by criminals. It's almost like the mafia comes through and goes, how much can you afford to pay us? Really, if we burn down your place, how much insurance money are you going to get a million bucks? So we'll go ahead and ask for a million dollars and burn down your place. That way, you know, 
you, th this is, is happening way too often. Uh, the hackers are telling their victims to, anonymous, to anonymously provide them with the details of their cyber insurance so that they can set the ransom amount accordingly. The hardware operators say they don't want to demand more than what the victim can recover. How kind of these guys. When the FBI and Department of Justice and all these other people bust them, will you please be kind and just ask them, how much time in jail do they want to spend for the crimes they commit? I don't know. It seems like that's the right approach. How much money would you like to give back to the victims you stole from? Insurance companies, Pat, what, what these cyber criminals are doing is they're making cyber insurance unaffordable for, for companies who are now not insured because cyber insurance has gone through the roof. Because one, big companies looked at it and said, well, we've got insurance so we can afford to take on unnecessary risk because we as CISOs have failed to communicate that risk to the business. Um, cyber insurance companies needed to make money for their stakeholders because that's the business they're in. And so they're either refusing to pay, paying very little, or causing friction. Number two, they've increased the premiums three, four, five-fold, okay? So all of this is causing significant challenges for, for, for companies across the entire world, especially here in the States, and small and mid-sized companies can't even afford cyber insurance at this point because it's $5,000 premiums, it's $10,000 a year premiums, and that's just really expensive for some businesses who do under a million dollars a year, which is a lot of small businesses, folks. So this is a story upsetting. And 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 by the way, like just what is this? <laughs> just dying to see this. The DOJ and the Department of Commerce are starting a strike force uh, targeting uh, um, threats, technology threats posed by adversaries like Russia and China. The release by the Department of Justice last week said the disruptive technology strike force will gather experts from the FBI, Homeland Security investigations of DHS, and 14 U.S. attorneys in 12 metro areas to go after illegal actors, strengthen supply chains, and prevent U.S. technological assets from being acquired by adversaries. Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson from the DOJ's National Security Division and Assistant Secretary for Export Enforcement Matthew Axelrod from the U.S. Department of Commerce Bureau of Industry and Security will lead the strike force. The disruptive technology strike force takes aim at those who imperil our national security and the rule of law by illegally transferring sensitive technologies to foreign adversaries. We must remain vigilant in enforcing export control, role, export control laws, which defend military readiness, preserve our technological superiority over our adversaries, and help to protect human rights and democratic values. The uh, release states that the strike force will focus on investigating and prosecuting criminal violations of export laws, improving enforcement of export controls, developing relationships with the private sector, and using international partnerships to plan law enforcement activities. It will also concentrate on conducting trainings for field offices, using data and intelligence to build its investigations and strengthening the connection between itself and the Intel community. Uh, this is just another piece. I wonder if they're going to strike force at TikTok. And our final story of the day comes from a story over at CyberScoop um, from December. And I bring this up because, well, initially I was going to cover this and then i decided to put it on the back burner two months later i've been kind of speaking to folks and it appears that there's significant concern around uh, sisa or sisa's mission um, and the focus from leadership there's there's a whole slew here the, the bottom line of the story is that it appears that decisions are being communicated to the field offices most policies being directed through twitter 
uh, down to people, meaning they're, they're realizing decisions are being made uh, through a Twitter announcement rather than through their managers or through group calls. There's concern over the fact that um, the leadership really isn't focused on listening to what the uh, field offices need in order to successfully execute the mission uh, dawned upon them. And so in the four years since uh, CISA has been around, they've had uh, about two and a half directors, essentially one active director who then resigned in 2020 um, or was fired in 2020, resigned, fired, whatever, whatever that was. And then they had a temporary director until Jen Easterly came through. And this is kind of reflecting the fact that CISA is trying to do a lot and, and potentially they're, they're missing on some, uh, some key scopes. Uh, they're not finding their way. In some cases, uh, I've, I've been told by people who have spoken with around this that there's significant challenge and challenges in terms of how do we properly uh, work with the private sector uh, from the field offices and what value do we bring? They feel like there's conflict between CISA, Secret Service, and FBI. And so there just seems to be a, a, a bit of a mess, but that's to be expected of a young organization like CISA. And we'll see how that kind of works uh, over the next few few months and years as as Jen matures into this role um, and takes the company forward. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern. Until then, um, go check out the Sister Talk podcast dropping later today with the awesome Danny Wolf. We're going to be talking about what can security practitioners do to help marketers understand how to market to us on where should we gather a little bit more empathy to marketers and our security partners? Um, so go tune into that. Check out the Laminar episode from Friday here on the CyberHub podcast. Have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, group, stay cyber safe. We love feedback. So make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.